This is Cocktails and Roses. Hi, I'm Rushy Ginsburg. That's Alicia Aitken-Radburn. How are you today, Leish? I am amazing. I was taking extensive notes during these two episodes and my only note on the first episode, because I was that engrossed, was trying to find the hole. So I can't wait to get into that. <laughs> Honestly, these are, and I, I know I've said this and I know I'm in it, but I have personally been a part of making 20 different versions of this TV show. And these final two episodes, and no hyperbole here, are the greatest final two episodes we have ever made of this show. And if you have not seen them, you need to watch them right now. Stop this podcast, get on a 10 play, get amongst the last two episodes of Brooke Blurton's season of The Bachelorette, and we'll be right back after this. Here we go, the penultimate penultimate episode we're on the way to finale and this is the final three so alicia we've had the hometowns at our back we've had david's family letting brooke know this is the dealio and david now has a chance to show brooke a part of him a part of you know what their life might look like the stakes have been set the barricades of each side of you know the expectations have been raised after hometowns and he's like right here brooke let me show you what's going on And I'm going to show you that through the power of kayaks. I love that we've really shifted from, I mean, we're about to go on an adventure, but I feel like Brooke and David's conversation since Hometowns has shifted from this very sort of in-show, getting to know each other, we really like each other, and now it's shifted to this almost like then really sitting down and nutting out how this could potentially work. And it's happening for all three of the relationships, really. I think it's really important. I remember when Glenn and I were in Fiji and it wasn't on camera because there's a lot of action going on in paradise, but we were on a stand-up paddleboard sitting together and really having some tough conversations around long distance. It's something that you've got to figure out. But before David and Brooke get to those conversations, they do go kayaking and quad biking. Not, yes, not only kayaking, but I believe Australia's most dangerous recreational pastime, which is quad biking. Really? So many people. Let me get some stats. Hang on. Stats. Stand by. Oh, my God. Also, I just remembered, guys, guess what I watched this week? Top Gun. So... <laughs> Between episodes, these final two episodes, I will give my brief summation of Top Gun just to keep you guys in anticipation. (laughs) Hit us with some quad biking facts. (laughs) So not only, David's a landscaper, which as we all know, bizarre gardening accidents are very commonplace and landscaping is a dangerous business. So David then says, right, we are going to partake in Australia's most dangerous motorised sport activity, quad biking. Because I don't know if you know this, but quad bike fatalities doubled in 2020 compared to 2019. Quad bikes are a very, very, very dangerous thing. Uh, Since 2011, 150 Australians have died in quad biking accidents. And David's like, and and 
This is how I will show you I love you. And away they go. Can he keep up with Brookie? No. See, he's just a little bit reserved. Maybe he's also read the quad biking dangerous facts. Or his intimately his intimate knowledge of landscaping really puts him off because he is approaching it a little bit like a grandma. He's just do 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 do. Well, safety doesn't take the weekend off, Alicia. That's true. And David, clearly he's done all his training when he did his horticulture course. He's like, no, these machines can hurt you. But Brooke's like, wow, okay. <laughs> and away they go. Fanging it around uh, the other bachelor mansion, Glenworth Valley, which is pretty lovely. But then they sit down and they really get down to brass tacks. And I've got to say, the two of them have a... It's important to show these kind of conversations, these kind of long-distance conversations. I've done long-distance. I've done long-distance with the Pacific Ocean between me and the person I was with. It's important to have these conversations, have these expectations, and go, well, look, this is what's going on. When you're in your early 20s, it might be easy to pick up and go. But these two have both got fairly established lives and careers from what I gather, are nearly two and a half thousand kilometres apart. But I think they have a pretty good chat about it. They do have a really good chat about it. The jury is still out for me just because they are... uh, When I watch it with Glenn and I feel like we were in a similar position to Brooke and David's relationship, Glenn also has an established business with staff. He's very set up in Perth. And so I think it forces you to analyse as individuals who has more tying themselves to each state, who is sacrificing more by making the move. And David is very set up in Brisbane. He's got a full business. He mentions he has a house. Who has a house? That's David's age. (laughs) Not me. Someone who's been working in landscaping since their early 20s. Literally. Who's got their shit together. (laughs) That's right. So, I mean, I think it's good that they're having the conversation. I think it's going to be, I think this is just the first of many conversations to see how their lives may intertwine with each other's. And I loved the fact that the two of them were both pretty honest about this is where my boundary is and this is what I can concede. This Because this does set us up for the conversations we see later in the show. Yes. Brooke's very much like, these are the things that are important to me and if I can keep those things and be somewhere else, these that's okay. Everything's a negotiation in life, right? You could definitely see the two of them going, okay, well, relationships is no such thing as the one. There's just the one who's willing to work on it with you. And you can really see that these guys are very aware of what's going on. And Brooke, clearly, having been through bachelor processes before and relationships outside, she's very much like, mm, I've said yes to stuff that other people have been iffy about. And then I get into it and it's not what I want. And that really does set us up for the next two chats, which are I think some of the most brilliant Mm. and honest, wonderful conversations I've ever seen in primetime TV between two people trying to negotiate a romantic relationship. So next up, we see Jamie Lee, who straight up says, I'm in love with you. Tells her on the date. That's a pretty hectic thing to drop on someone. But I guess now's the time, isn't it? Yeah, we are down to crunch time. And I'm like, this is this is the time in the show where you can't like leave anything. Jamie Lee tells Brooke that. She is in love with her and I'm always looking to see the response. Brooke looks pretty stoked, I think. I think that these are words that Brooke has been hoping to hear from Jamie Lee for a while. They've known each other for three years. And I think it's good on this date that Jamie Lee is really going back to that idea of sacrifice and compromise. She 
is really sort of putting herself out of her comfort zone and showing Brooke that she's willing to do things that Brooke loves. So we're in this sort of, we're in this compromised space of glamping, not full camping, but glamping. And I think that's a really nice demonstration on a final date to be able to be like, I see this as a part of you and I wanted to create this for you. Without a doubt, it's, it's important. And understand that, you know, you might just, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. And Jamie Lee says herself, look, I didn't wear my Gucci sneakers today. And you know what? It ended up being okay. They had to put a tent together. Very tricky. Have you ever, Alicia, tried to put a tent together with an impending darkness and or storm with someone who you are newly in a relationship with and the stakes are high? I have not. But again, Osha, all I've got from this scene in my notes is trying to find the hole. So Trying to find the hole. They found the hole and they had fun while they did it. And that's what matters. And the thing is, they also were both willingly there and constantly checking in with each other that yes. do we want to keep trying to find the hole? Yes, we do want to keep trying to find the hole. And off they went. <laughs> Thankfully, the two of them, and I'm, I was very happy to see this. And again, Jesus, great storytelling. It really sets us up for later on when they have a conversation about kids. And I guess the only challenge here that Brooke, I guess, you know, I'm just reading between the lines here, but Brooke, I guess, is when I think about the, the same-sex couples I know, in some cases, only one of them ever carries the child. Okay. All right. So, the, and, and they carry an egg from the other one. Really? Sometimes, yeah. Oh, that's how you've seen it in relationships that you know of. Yeah. I've seen it play out like where, where the egg from one, the embryo is carried in the other, and the other other's a surrogate. I've also heard like, and, and the other way around is like the, the, the other one just carries a child. The embryo, you know, it's their egg and, it's, it, and that's it. Right. So all these things might, I don't know, I'm just reading between the lines here, but I didn't consider that, you know, when Brooke's thinking about children, like, well, who's going to carry, who's going to work? Like, that's a whole other thing that I didn't consider. I guess we didn't see that conversation on camera, but that's a whole other part of it. This is going to sound really, really awfully dumb of me, but we're not at the technological stage yet that we can mix DNA from two eggs, are we? No, we are not. We are not there yet. Damn, I reckon we'll get there, surely. There's going to be some scientists out there in, with some beakers <laughs> figuring this stuff out. But what I, what I can tell you is the, the, the women in my life who uh, have kids together, you know, like the men in my life who have kids together, are the most wonderfully, wonderful, wonderful parents and they face the same challenges as any other parent. And they're just parents. They're parents like, like me. They're parents like our producer, Rachel. They're, they're parents like you and Glenn are going to be. It's just all part of it. This moment between Jamie Lee and Brooke where they're both talking about this and I think that there's, there's this moment where Brooke or Jamie Lee, I can't remember who went first, but they're like talking about how what a great mum they would be and you'd be a hot mum and they're just like they're really in the like – I'm like, oh, God, you guys are – talking about being mothers together. This is, like, so incredible. Yeah. So, it was very wonderful to see. And they could very clearly, the two of them could very clearly see the vision. Mm-hmm. And they had landed on a, a shared goal. Yes. And whether, they get, whether it looks like that when they get there or not, but it's important. It's important in a relationship to go, well, this is where I'd like to go. Oh, you'd like to go there too? Great, let's go there together. 
versus what's that now? You want to start a bespoke coffee roastery in Rockhampton? Well, uh, that's not going to work for me. No, I'm kind of. <laughs> In this cryptocurrency thing down here in Hobart. Uh, you know, you really got to... Oh, God. you got to be aligned. you got to be aligned. Where are you going to wear your linen shirt? You know, it's, it's, it's important to know these things, Alicia. But it was wonderful to see. And it was, it was a, again, this, this season has brought us so many wonderful conversations in primetime television that we otherwise would never, ever, ever have seen. And I'm so proud that we were able to see this particular one. More importantly, the next one, which I think is, prop, is easily the, the greatest 10 minutes of The Bachelor I've ever seen, ever. I agree. When Holly and Brooke, oh. there's clearly vibe between the two of them. We saw it the moment they met. She was first out of the limo on the first night. She slow danced with her. She was, do you mind, like her, a way that she communicated with her, is it okay if I hold you? The way she constantly affirmed consent from her. She's taught us so much. Holly's taught us so much about what consent can look like. And, you know, the two of them are just intertwined in this amazing thing. And then this, this lingering question that Brooke only found out from Holly's mum at Hometowns is like, hang on, wait, what now? She, what, what, no kids or maybe one? And it was beautiful. And that's kind of on their minds as they're watching this incredible ballet. Yeah, it was quite a, it was almost a sad and sombre date in a sense. Yeah. For me watching, because you could sort of tell that they still do have this very deep connection, but you could sort of see this undercurrent of a painful conversation that needed to be had running under the, f- the whole day. Yeah. And we do get there. As painful as the conversation is, Osha, I was just watching it thinking this is the most amazing demonstration of communication. I think that sometimes people think that good communication means the result has to be all rainbows and unicorns. But sometimes good communication might lead to a sad outcome, but you you needed to have that conversation. You needed to communicate to save yourself. There are people in relationships who've been together for years that because they aren't good communicators end up in unhappy relationships for years. Oh, without a doubt, they've never had an honest and open and true conversation with great boundaries where they aren't letting some imaginary hope or wish get in the way of reality, as hard as that reality is to face. And watching the two of them have this chat was amazing to see. If there's one thing I love about Brooke is she has magnificent boundaries. She's clearly had to do a lot of work to to do that, but that she models this behavior time and time again. And she models her amazing boundaries and what she's willing to absolutely be open up for and be vulnerable around it. Other things she was like, no, that's not me. And I'm willing to walk away from what might be because I will not let this boundary be broken. And Holly does not want to live in Western Australia. She does not want three children, doesn't want maybe any children, maybe one. This is not a priority. And that's fine. You don't have kids. That's fine. I know I punish you all the time about getting pregnant and that's shit of me. <laughs> but I wouldn't have done it had I not had your consent. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, but it's, it's full on watching the two of these things. And 
And when Brooks, and she brilliantly says, when compromise becomes a sacrifice, she's, she's really communicative here. Oh, I thought she was so articulate. I was watching it and thinking, wow, how are you articulating such complex issues Mm. just off the bat? It's really hard. Sometimes I'll have to go away and sit and, you know, go internally and think about what I'm trying, what I'm feeling, what what I need to say to get my perspective across. But Brooke is just like, wham, bam, I... And she's not unfair either. No. It's not like it's a discussion that steps up that extra level where it becomes toxic and um, you lose all the practicality of why you're communicating. It's heated at times and it's emotional at times, but they both do what they need to do. You know, we see them separate for a moment to sort of take stock and then they return to the discussion. It was amazing to see Brooke be able to use her ability, like overcome by emotion. She's crying. You can hear her voice cracking. She's clearly shuddering. Her body is shaking with the reaction to the realization that this isn't what she thought it was going to be. And she's yet still able to say, all I'm seeing is roadblocks here. She didn't raise her voice. She didn't get angry, but she was able to so clearly say, no, this isn't, this isn't it. And it was so tough when she walked back over to Holly at the railing and they held each other. You could see in their body language, they both knew that's it. That's it. And I loved it that they're like, I think we've had a couple of circumstances in previous seasons where it's been evident for, for varying reasons, not the same as Holly and Brooke, where I think it was both parties coming to it really honestly and having a conversation. But I think in previous seasons we've had the top three and it's sort of evident that one relationship isn't going to work out from the final date. Yeah. I think back to like Charlie and Ali Ochen where Charlie was basically saying, you need to like stop the show and be with me. And it was just all very... And you, you were sort of watching it being like, okay, he's not making the final two. But I sort of love that we didn't go to the rose ceremony. It was really refreshing because it was the two of them. I think it speaks volumes to how important and mature their relationship was and is that they made that decision for themselves mutually. Yeah, it would have made no sense for Holly to go there. And, and I'm really grateful that, as well that she, Brooke could have. Yeah. Brooke could have just gone, oh, I've got a lot to think about and leave. But no, she showed Holly the respect of like, no, this is it. This is going to be it. Yeah. This is going to be it. And yeah, it's it, it's the rip the bandaid off. It sucks. It sucks that it wasn't as wonderful as they both wanted it to be. But that's okay that it's okay that Holly is where she is and it's okay that Holly wants what Holly wants. And it's okay that Brooke is where she is and what Brooke wants what Brooke wants. And it's okay that they, it's not the same thing. It's sad. But they were able to both remain intact, I think. It's almost like I think sometimes through this franchise, you see someone's relationship develop through the show and then when you get to those final moments, it's almost like this is such a weird analogy, but I'm like I've got a little dove and I'm setting it free and it's going on to see what's happening in the future for them. Mm-hmm. It seems very future-focused and yep. that's why I'm like scrambling for I'm scrambling to Instagram after the finale to see where people are up to. 
Yeah. But I felt that almost Holly and Brooke's whole relationship played out on the show. And I think that it really was a full circle. They started, we got to see those initial moments. They came to some roadblocks, they discussed them, and then they ended their relationship. And I think it's really important for people to see the life cycle of a relationship and how you don't have to, through, through honest communication, direct communication, like don't stay with someone for four years without having a conversation about children if you know that's a priority for you. Yeah. And then you get four years down the track and then they say, I don't see this in your, my future. Yeah. Don't cross your fingers and go, oh, she'll come around or cross your fingers and go, oh, he'll come around. Yeah. No, no one's got ESP. If it's something that you want, then you need to say that because like we said, you're like, if you don't want to move to, you know, Hobart and do some crypto mining, then don't. That's not for you. Fine. But some people do. And that's okay. They'll find, they'll be okay. And you'll be okay. And you'll find who you want. Just trust that there'll be, there's 7.6 billion people on the planet. You'll find it. Oh, my God. One of them's going to love Dogecoin as much as you do. It's going to be all right. And they're going to they're gonna buy the dip. Now, before we... Now, in a moment, we're going to talk about the finale, the absolute incredible finale. Oh, I... I thought you were leading into Top Gun. In a moment, we will talk about... Yeah. Oh, 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 I am. Yes, we're going to talk about the final moment of this groundbreaking season of The Bachelorette. But before this episode is out, something equally as important. We are going to get Alicia Aitken Radburn's play-by-play <laughs> review of the first time she ever saw one of the great ever romances of our time. And I'm not talking about Tom Cruise and Kelly McGillis. I'm talking about Iceman. I'm talking about Maverick and Goose. Oh. One of the most romantic films ever made, Top Gun. So... <laughs> Yes, sure. Stay for our breakdown of what happened in The Bachelorette, but you want to be here for Alicia's thoughts on Top Gun. Stick around. Finale. Chop a shot, chop a shot, chop a shot. Here I am on a precipice of rock, and the wind is savage behind me, and my hair. Oh my gosh, it was so windy. Was my hair moving? No, it wasn't. <laughs> That's how you know it's a bachelor finale. Carla is an expert. <laughs> and Mel as well. Do you know how hard it is to not get a jacket to flap around in the wind like that? Ugh. Mel and Carla, my team that make me look like, like, I'm seriously, I'm sitting here in a pair of jeans, a black t-shirt and a flannel. This is the same shit I've worn since I was 19. And this is what I look like when you don't see me on telly. Honestly, Mel and Carla, the aesthetic you see of me on telly that people make memes about, that is purely the vision of these two incredible women I work with. And boy, they worked hard that day. But I've got to say, if there's an actor award or a Logie for the best turn to drone high wide, oh. this is like, that was, a, that was great, that one. How many times did you take that, do you reckon? Only ever one take, Alicia, you know me. One take wonder. Always, mate. <laughs> We're not here for a haircut. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a good day, that one, actually, because we had to hike to that spot. That was a tricky thing about that spot. We couldn't, all the gear had to, we had to carry in. So it was about an f- hour hike. In so cool, and um, at the time I was only six months into my hip replacement, so it was an interesting day. 
It was a good day. It was pretty fun. Straight up, though, we're meeting the family. And uh, thanks, COVID, Brooke couldn't bring people over from WA. Brooke couldn't bring anybody over. So the people Brooke has everybody meeting are her best mate, her academic friend, Amy, who did that was some of the best home, the best, best finale grilling I've ever seen. And Abby Chatfield. Rock star. Bachelor, uh, oh. alumni and uh, somewhat royalty. Abby Chatfield is there. Before we jump into this, can I just touch on the fact that before David and Jamie Lee meet Amy and Abby Chatfield, <laughs> why? it's like a full name. You have to say it like. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Abby Chatfield. We also got to see her Peter Zoom in. Sorry, I've really broken up all of these words, but I was in tears when Peter was on Zoom because Peter is Brooke's father figure. Yeah. I remember Brooke sharing her relationship with Peter in the mansion two, three years ago. And I was just in tears thinking about how far Honestly, it came down to the foundation of how far me and my friend have come. She told me about beautiful Peter. I've, yeah. And I'm just thinking, wow, I'm sitting here in bed with my fiance that I met through this show. And now my friend Brooke is on that screen and she is about to, like, one of these people is the love of her life potentially. Just awesome. <laughs> It was so wonderful to see Peter. Sometimes he can tell a lot about someone pretty quickly. And even though he was on a Zoom, even though he was sitting up against the curtain, it was very clear that Brooke's uh, wisdom, her boundaries, the way she has a sense of self, her own self-worth, you can see that didn't appear in a vacuum. And the way she speaks about Peter, quite evidently, this is what love for a kid can do, mm-hmm. all right? Yes, he's not, yes, she's not his, you know, biological daughter, but the paternal relationship between the two of them is just so astonishing and wonderful and it just really shows with the right amount of love and guidance what a kid can become. They don't even have to need, need to be your own kid. Oh, and Peter's role through her, just her bachelor journey, not to touch on mm. her whole life, Go back to Honey Badger season, go to her hometown, and you'll see Peter there again. Right. It's just so beautiful that I'm really glad that despite the border situation and obviously COVID was really peaking at this point, I'm so glad that Brooke got that very serious. (laughs) She got, what are you laughing about? COVID peaking. I'm just flashing back to a dance party I went to in the in Fortitude Valley in 1992, and COVID's next to me on the dance floor. How you going, mate? I'm fucking peaking! Strobe light, strobe light, rave whistle. Oh, I hate COVID. I gotta say, <laughs> I love it. Shit time at a rave. Uh, yeah, it was it was full on. Now, Amy, Amy clearly like. There's a moment between Brooke and David, which is very is obvious that they're into each other. The intimacy is definitely there. And Amy, brilliant and quite wonderfully, asks David some pretty straight-up questions. Now, I understand David was a bit taken aback, like, you know, when Amy was asking him about his, his literacy around First Nations Indigenous people in Australia and how does he feel about 26th of January. Like, if you've never really kind of considered these things, and it's okay considering the the culture of our country and our education system that surrounds this, it's okay that you don't 
no at the moment, but as I've just said this out loud, it's now no longer okay. So find out the country you live on. Find out. It's, it's, it's a word that's easy to learn. Find out the country you live on. Have a think about January 26th. Do a bit of reading. Read David Hunt's book, Gert. If you want to go and read some Henry Reynolds, go and read some Henry Reynolds. But you know, get your head on. This is a moment that we can kind of all talk about this kind of stuff. And it was wonderful seeing Amy really prepare him for clearly what's been her experience is like, you're going to have to be on point because people are going to challenge, you know, stuff at a barbecue, at a dinner party. You're going to have to be an ally here. And I really dug that about Amy, that she did that. I thought Amy was so fantastic. And I, my favorite moment was when she very earnestly in her, I, uh, in her interview was like, okay, you got to get up to speed because if you're going to be dating a pansexual black woman, you need to educate yourself. Yeah. So I was, I was very grateful that we had Amy in this meeting, the family. And I think it also, it rightly challenged both David and Jamie Lee. And I hope that they left this meeting noting that they probably need to do some pretty significant reflection and education. Yeah. I think David had a really honest uh, answer, which is a completely fine answer. It's like, yeah, I'm yes. kind of a bit yeah. ashamed that I don't know this. And clearly I can see why it is so important. And, you know, I, I really need to f- figure out more. And it's, it's fine. It's fine to not know. But from now on, as of listening to this, Take the time. It'll take you 20 minutes, you know, and you'll be a better person for it and you'll look at our country in a better way for it. Yeah. Jamie Lee has a trickier time because Jamie Lee's known Brooke for three years and Amy's like, what, what now? You've known her for three years and you've never asked? You never know? Mm. That was tough for Amy. She found it, what's the word she used? Superficial. I think Jamie Lee also found the conversation. I think the difference in the dynamics of the conversation was Jamie Lee I felt was more confronted by the conversation and perhaps got a little bit more defensive and understandably because it's, it, I think that defensiveness probably stems from embarrassment. Yeah. I think it's understandable to feel embarrassed, but I, I think it, it did change the dynamic of the conversation where it felt more sort of, she, she wasn't able to slip into that honesty and just being upfront and saying, hey, you know, she got there eventually and eventually she was like, I can see what you're saying. This is a real flaw and I need to get up to speed. She did. Uh, she, uh, she did get that. And Jamie Lee, someone who would want to wear Gucci sneakers on a hiking date. I understand that's fine, you know, but you can clearly see that if you are going to be in a long-term serious committed relationship with a person like Brooke, you've got to know how the people that you're with got to where they are. You know, it's it's super important. Absolutely. And I hope that these scenes are catalyzing a whole lot of conversations on the couch of people saying, what country are we on? Yeah. What country are you recording from, Osha? Gadigal. Gadigal land, people of the Eora nation. Sovereignty was never ceded. From Wajak Noongar land. I think it's really important. Yeah. And I hope that these conversations are happening. If this can if this can catalyze one person to turn to the other on the couch and say, hey, what country are we on? Yeah. And think about that. I think that's awesome. It's okay to not know, all right? It's, it's okay that you don't know, but take the time to know and understand that, yeah, they called it terra nullius. Terra nullius meant it was nobody's land, but it was actually somebody's land. And if you start there, you can kind of go from there. And that's kind of where I think Amy is trying to 
paint the picture for both Jamie Lee and David. Abby does a pretty good job of grilling them. I was got to say, Abby kind of really stepped up to the plate and did a did a cracking job. Yeah, I thought that it was particularly I loved the moment where she was Abby was talking to David and says he's sort of like trying to get the I love you. Well, he admits I'm in love with her, but he hasn't told her yet. And Abby's like, "Okay, well, now's the time. Seize the moment." And I liked that Abby sort of called back to her time on Matt season. And I thought it was really special that she said, look, I was in tears on the plane home, but at least I had told him honestly how I felt. That's what I love about this show and this franchise so much. And that without having been through this experience, it would be hard to completely understand. But this show forces you to just be so much more vulnerable and so much more forthright than perhaps you ever would in the real world just because things get in the way in real life. In Bachelor in Paradise, when there's a conflict, you have to talk about it. Yeah. You're with everyone. You don't have a phone. You can't distract yourself in some other way. You can't hope that you won't see them for two months and then it will fade away. So I, I, I love that we're bringing that vulnerability to the forefront. And I, oh, we're going to get to the moment that David says those special words. Well, yeah. We say goodbye to Abby and Amy and then we head off on our final dates. Jamie Lee, she kind of wants to be quite clear that she doesn't know enough about, you know, Brooke's background. They go on a, a bike ride. Now, I love a bicycle ride. I'm all about a bicycle ride. Don't know if that's the kind of... What were those things? Were they dirt bikes? Oh, okay. <laughs> no, they are... No, let's hang on. Hang on a second. So there's a helicopter involved, which is pretty great. Anytime a helicopter's involved, I'm, I'm here for it. They landed in front of some e-bikes. Yes, they were bikes, but they, they're e-bikes. So you pedal, but they have a motor inside them. And those particular ones are quite fun. They've got quite a bit of pep, so Brooke would have been quite happy. I don't know if a bike ride is kind of what we need at this point between these two. They need to have that time. You know, I know Bachelor is colour and movement, and at this point, it's like, well, you're really going to have to, what are you going to do about this, Jamie Lee? There's, a, there's, there's adventures, there's, they're riding over a, a bridge, it's all fun and games, but is there an opportunity there for the two of them to really, you know, lay it on the line? And Jamie Lee did get there and I liked that she was, well, you know, Brooke initially raises it, but Jamie Lee didn't run away from the issue. She discusses it very directly. The other thing that I am just, through these two episodes, so impressed by with Brooke, because I think it's a very impressive thing, that's all I can say, is that When there's an issue, I don't love conflict. So sometimes when someone's hurt me or I'm disappointed in something, I'll just sort of let it roll over and not address it head on. It goes back to those boundaries that you raised earlier, Osha. When Brooke is disappointed in something, hurt by something, she will just have the conversation. And she does express to Jamie Lee in this moment that she was kind of disappointed that someone who has known her for three years doesn't know this fundamental piece of information about her. Yeah. But also bigger than the piece of information is it that she just likes the idea of Brooke rather than Brooke as a person without all the glitz and glam and the myth that is Brooke. Yeah. And the, that Brooke was able to 
put that into words. I've had relationships uh, where I have got into relationships more than one with the idea of what it could be. Yes. Not what it is. Jules, that was me, Bachelor in Paradise. I met this quirky guy and I thought I, I established, I actually didn't even give him a chance to show me his full self before I'd gone away. I'd had a spectacular first date with him. I'd gone to sleep that night building a person that I thought he was around this first date. And I did myself a disservice because he didn't match my expectation that I built. And it was sort of unfair for me to go away and build this. I had had three hours with him and it was an awesome three hours, but you have to allow people to show you who they are. You've done a lot of work on that, haven't you? Yeah, lots. (laughs) Yeah. Wow, good on you because that is huge. What you just told me, I'm really grateful that you're able to see that because I didn't see that until like the third or fourth time it had happened in my life. Yeah. And all I'd, all I'd done was, you know, kind of be in relationships with people that like, oh, man, now everybody's hurt, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. And I yeah. think that that is some of the success of my relationship with Glenn now that I went away and I think I don't even necessarily know if I'd done that work. And then I met Glenn and I do think that I... I allowed him to show me who he was without constructing. And I think people do it all the time in relationships. They go and have a good date and then they idealise this person that this person's going to be. Yeah. Just let people be people. Yeah. (laughs) Wow, that's not profound. (laughs) Well, it's like as long as you accept them for who they are right now and you understand that you both kind of want to go somewhere but you're going to be okay with who they are right now, then it's fine. If you're going to be like, Mm, it's a bit shit now, but it'll be better once they do this thing, that once they finish the course, once they get the new job, it's never going to be okay. Yes. But that's what, you know, the two of them had that connection and it was it was okay. I thought, you know what, this might be all right until we get to the Darwin date. And boy, oh boy. Oh, holy moly. He is amazing. Sorry. Just like this, this is so, the tantra, they walk into this room Helena, I think her name was, introduces to them that they're going to be doing tantric yoga. And the amount of maturity that David brought to that room, I was just dumbfounded by. He was, and I think that is a mark of someone who can just roll with an experience and not, uh, I I was so impressed and it was so hot. (laughs) Was crazy hot. And that we got to hear the words, the breath with the tongue on the roof of your mouth will help you delay ejaculation. Yes. In prime time was beautiful. And mwah, chef's kiss from me. And I, I don't blame Brooke for breaking during that moment because, yeah, it was a lot. I think there was also a phrase like, the light is going to explode out of you. and I was- Maybe she was flashing back to when, you know... Like there was a friend, there was a friend of mine uh, when I was living in America. There was a friend of mine. She was like, "Oh my god, this guy, he was amazing!" And we went on like two or three dates, and you know, all the effort, and I bought new undies, and we got there, and boom, two pump chump. Oh my god, what a waste of time! Oh, the light exploded out of him. What? And I was like, "Oh my god, two pump chump." 
Like, what a, what a, she's like, I did not call that boy again. It's like, yeah, well, maybe we're giving people of the country of Australia and whoever else watches this around the world a service, but like, here, try this. Maybe it'll help you connect in a more meaningful way that is longer than a few precious seconds. But boy, I, I appreciate a push-up as much as the next man. Ah. If you've never done a push-up in your life, starting on your knees is probably a way. It's, it makes it easier. Oh, that's where I'm at. You want to make a push-up harder, elevate your feet or use a, a, a band, like you put the bands around the back of your shoulders and you're a banded push-up. The koala oh. Brooke Blurton... The tantric koala. <laughs> tantric koala sex coach to my right... Eight crew to my left push-up. I am high-fiving David that he managed to, A, either wear very restrictive underpants or really control himself with that moment. Well, he did say that he's going to keep his excitement level down. And But, B, he was able to do it. Could you imagine if he oh. couldn't have done that push-up? Could you imagine what would have happened if it, like, what is Brooke, maybe 55, 50? Yeah. Like, that's a lot. Like if you've if, yeah, it's very impressive. I was like, nice one, <laughs> far out. And like, who wouldn't after that experience? David's just straight up. He tells her he loves her. And I loved that he said. First off, he said, "I really feel like I found my person." And then they kiss, and then sort of muffled, just really making an intimate moment for Brooke and David. He sort of whispers, I love you. I thought that was really special. And I just, again, in tears when Brooke is in her IV after it, describing that moment. And she speaks about the whole concept of being in love and finding your person as a kooky thing that she felt that it was a kooky thing that people spoke about. She never really was able to move herself to that space where it became something for her. And I think that a lot of people feel that way before they're in this moment. And then it does sort of, it's that awful thing that people say where it's like, when you know, you know. But I think it does, I, I, I think people say that because it does have some weight to it. And I think in this moment, she's standing there being like, I'm feeling it. Yeah. This is what people talk about. And when they say, and when you know, you know, I think we saw her know on camera. We saw that happen. We saw it in her eyes. I saw it in her eyes. I saw her realise it. The camera was rolling when she realised it. I don't think we've had that before a finale. I don't think we've let that cat out of the bag in the edit in the finale, have we? She said she loves him. So. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, we've had The Bachelor tell both people he loves them. Who was that? Lockie? It was Lockie, yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Oof. <laughs> God, he's... Ooh, that was a tricky one. That was a tough day. And I was I, I was watching. Oh. Boy, that was a hard one, that one. But that, that was really interesting. Which brings us to the final, final, final of this groundbreaking, history-making season of The Bachelorette. And boy, oh boy, just to start, Alicia, how's the styling on Brooke Blurton this year? It is. Oh, the styling is magnificent. She looks like Cinderella. I'm crying on a trans Perth bus again. It's just, it's magnificent, Osha. And you do look, you look beautiful yourself. 
I was very sweet. Once a bitty Osher stood by a billabong talking to Brooke under a eucalypt tree. And I was just so happy, just so happy to see her so happy because, you know, I've known Brooke a long time and you know a lot about her. You know where she came from. You know, she's not shy about talking about the kind of life she had as a kid and, you know, how hard she's had to work to get what she has in life. And to see her so happy, Alicia. I basically cried through this whole last segment. And it was because of what you say, Osha. I really feel like the audience reflecting on this season and reflecting on these final moments really need to remember Brooke's context and her story. Yeah. And that really informs how she views love. And we are all different people. We're all unique. We all have our own experiences. And I can't, I I really can't say it strongly enough how important the Bachelor experience, the franchise has been in Brooke's life, uh, the connection she's made, and then her childhood and her story. And I just couldn't stop crying because I saw how all of these different narratives interweave and you're right Osha she was she looked so happy talking to you it was really really special part of me though was like and I know how hard as we've seen time and time again and we spoke about it earlier in this episode Brooke is and I've said it again and again she is excellent at stating her wants stating her needs and is not afraid to hold her boundaries, even if it means they hurt other people's feelings and hurt her own feelings. Even if she really wants something so badly to work, but she knows there's a boundary she won't cross. She will, as we've seen with someone like Conrad, for example, she will go, ah, oh, this sucks. And this is really painful. And I have to have this conversation. Like with Holly, I have to have this conversation. But no, I can't cross that boundary. And so she really feels that. And I left her knowing that she was about to have that conversation, you know, and it was full on, man. And I've got to put it to Jamie Lee, comforting Brooke while you're getting your heart broken in two. That's a special person to do that. That whole interaction with Jamie Lee was gut-wrenching. Every single season I come back, like there is never a season that this final two is easy. I could see, like once we were at the tantric koala, I was, mm-hmm. and you know, she said it herself. I was like, okay, it's David. I am so happy for her because, you know, she she gave that monologue about not realizing that this is what you could find. And so I just felt, okay, this is David, but it doesn't make it any easier. In fact, it just made it 10 times worse. I thought Brooke handled it in a very considerate, as as considerate as you can be in that moment. And Jamie Lee was just so graceful, so classy, and still in the car, leaving that moment so vulnerable. Yeah. And so I really freaking hope Jamie Lee finds her person. Yeah, I don't doubt that she will. I think David has broken the first date curse. Oh, my God. I'm just like, I'm so, so happy. I'm just, I'm elated. That's the only word for this, and I cannot wait. You should have seen me, Osha, furiously refreshing Brooke's Instagram for like any little 
tidbit of an update. I'm like, <laughs> hey, when I finished Bachelor in Paradise with Glenn, I had a freaking highlights reel to upload. So I'm like, please show me your life because I'm just so invested. Right. I get it. What I, I love, though, is that Brooke, you know, she's clearly, you know, because she's just had to say goodbye to Jamie Lee. And yeah, she had a but it doesn't happen straight away. You know, she has a moment to have a, you know, drink of water and take a breath and look at the sky and, you know, center herself and then go back out there and know that David's coming down the pathway. But this, as soon as she saw him, it was quite clear that he thought he was getting broken up with. Yeah, I did identify that moment as well. But I also thought that it was very beautiful how he kept holding her and saying, you've got this, you can Mm. do this. It was similar to Jamie Lee showing that support. Yeah. I can see that team energy already. Yeah. It was very lovely. And then you see his face just go, wait, what? 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 (laughs) It was so nice. I found it so interesting that she really, I felt that she really, really struggled Finding her words. And I relate to that because, and I think I've spoken about it a little bit on the podcast, but when I was going through Paradise with Glenn, I did find it, you're sitting in these interviews and you have to re-explain how you're feeling about someone over and over again and find words for that love and these emotions. Yeah. And when you're in love, it's kind of hard. It's just, it's hard to be like, I love you. That's all I want to say to you. I need you to know I love you. And she managed to get it out, but she was just so overcome with emotions. Yeah, it was so lovely. And and just watching just before, you know, before we went to the final ad break, you know, before the two, two of them got out of the car, when we saw her just honestly just just figure it out, you know, and just go, oh, man, I love him. Just like seeing that shift come across her face and her micro expressions was just joyous, you know. I don't think we've ever had that happen in those interview moments, having some of those, those powerful emotional realizations actually on camera. It was, you know, I'm a, I'm a nerd for it. It was perfect reality television. It was glorious, you know, and it couldn't have happened to a nice woman with the most astonishing emotional literacy, the way she can just talk about how she feels and what she expects. It's just, I'm just so happy we got to show that in primetime television. That and the ejaculation breathing. The two of those things (laughs) was great. How was it for you and the crew in that moment watching her and David? So generally what happens, here's some behind the scenes bachelorette finale or bachelor finale moments. I've I've told the story about us nearly getting eaten by lions in South Africa enough times, but... (laughs) The, the way the technology works, we can watch from a small distance, but not a long distance. So we are generally usually quite, we're within, if we talk too loud, we're going to end up on camera, you know, our voices will end up on camera. So mm. just out of frame, sometimes maybe 30 metres or 40 metres from where this all is taking place is a room of people. At this point, if I could guess, it would probably be about 25 or 30 people all crammed in watching, you know, the camera monitors and everyone's got earpieces in because we're all listening to the microphones and everyone's whispering. And the moment you see that when Brooke comes back and she, you hear, him, hear a whisper like, I love you, it's like the final moment at Apollo 13 when they touch down in the water, but everyone whispering while they do it. 
and quietly jumping up in the air and high-fiving and crying and goosebumps because we're all just so happy and we're just, we all feel the love, but we can't make any noise because they'll hear us go woo. <laughs> so it's like, oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, did you see? Oh my God. Did you see the eyelash? The eyelash. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> the eyelash. Oh my gosh, that's how I'm like. This is the most authentic, genuine yeah, so shit perfect. I've ever seen because her eyelash is like flapping off, and I remember. Oh yeah, she was just. It was beautiful. It was so those two people in that moment and I just can't wait for the next chapter for them. Yeah, and I've got every confidence. And, and you know, people are, are bringing up, and rightly so, the, the interstate issue existed with more than just Holly, you know, existed with a lot of people. Mm. But, I, you know, it's, it's still early days, but I certainly get the feeling that the two of these people, these two people will do everything they can to figure it out. You know what I was thinking about on the bus? I'm like sitting there, iPhone in hand, crying, whimpering. I was like, I cannot wait for me, Glenn, David, Brooke, Osha, Audrey and Rach, our podcast producer, to be on the dance floor at my wedding. We're all celebrating together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right, because you, you're, you're sneakily watching out of your WA time zone on the phone on the way home from work, so you watched it with the rest of the country. I am. Ah, that's why you're crying on the bus. I thought. Oh you just, yeah, like, no, I'm not just a thing you like to do. <laughs> so I just, I, I guess, it brought it into reality for me that now Brooke and David get to enter the real world as a couple. They're out of the batchy bubble, and I just can't wait to go on a double date. I say it every season. I said it about <laughs> Lockie and Irina, and I was with Lockie and Irina last night having beers at our local. So <laughs> stop it with your COVID freedom. <laughs> Fuck off. You and your COVID freedom, Western Australia. Look, I'm so happy. I'm just so happy for Brooke. And as we, as we said just earlier, if this is the first time you've watched the show or you're only just now engaging with, you know, Brooke Blurton and her story, it's not hard to find. But the way she grew up and how she grew up and, and, and what she went through before we first saw her at The Bachelor a couple of years ago, that she has grown into the powerful woman that you now see. And Peter, who we met earlier in the episode, is a large part of that. that. Just who she is and who we got to show this person being who she was on camera, like as a model for powerful human being, whether they be male, female or other, like just how she expressed herself, defended her boundaries, was vulnerable, was able to be emotional yet strong. Like who she is is just so admirable. I can't say enough good things about her. She's incredible. I loved it. I loved every moment she was on camera. Agreed. And a and a huge acknowledgement to Channel 10 and Warner Brothers for stepping up, for, you know, having all the right people on set, First Nations consultants, diversity consultants, Shout out to you, Osha, just bringing it for another season. I'm so glad that we got this season because I just, it is and was so important and I can't wait to see that the impact that it has on television into the future. I mean, already just tonight watching her best mate, Amy, you know, ask both Jamie Lee and David, like, do you know whose country you live on? Mm. Watching Twitter through the night, that just exploded going, Oh shit! I don't. Yeah. As we spoke about it earlier in the episode, the amount of people that were saying, "Oh wow, I'm, 
uh, it took a reality television show for me to answer that question. Okay, now I know. And I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled because it's conversations like that that need to be had. And yes, there's helicopters and yes, there's foot golf occasionally, but I'm grateful that we are able to bring these things to the public mind through this wonderful, wonderful television show that we make. And so much love for Brooke and David. And and while we're here, I don't know if you saw, but just a few hours ago, Sam Wood and Snajana have announced they are having <gasps> Oh my god, I know another baby girl. <laughs> Incredible. I'm so proud. So exciting. I'm just so thrilled for Sam and Snez. They are one of the many love stories that have come out of our show. And and it, the smile you saw on my face when I saw Brooke was the smile of someone who gets to go to work every day and help people fall in love. It's an honor and a privilege, and I'm grateful for it. And I can't wait to do it all again with you when we do a podcast again. There you go. That is the end of the world's first bisexual bachelorette season. Oh, my goodness. Incredible. What a finish. Thank you for being a part of Cocktails and Roses. Thank you, Rachel, our producer. Thank you, Ali, our producer. Thank you, Alicia Aitken-Radburn. If you want to watch any of these shows, you can find them all on 10Play. You want to hear any more of these podcasts, find them all uh, on the Cocktails and Roses page on 10Speaks. And I promise you this, before we end the show here, through the week, Alicia sat down with her husband-to-be, Glenn. <laughs> and yes, we've just seen some romance. We've just seen incredible romance <laughs> unfold on our screens. World first romance. But Alicia sat down and watched probably one of the most romantic films ever made. It was a film about two men who love each other, a film called Top Gun. It was quite homoerotic through the whole thing. That's my first comment. That volleyball scene really shifted the zeitgeist, I imagine. (laughs) So that's my first feeling on Top Gun. Can't believe you made it to this stage of your life without ever seeing Top Gun. But what did you make of Top Gun, Alicia? I loved it. It was amazing. I also really liked Iceman. By the end of the film, I know that he was meant to play this villainous character. I liked his character arc. The main thing that I would say about Top Gun, yes, great movie, loved the love story. You guys did spoil Goose for me, so I didn't really have the emotional investment and I won't go any further around that because go watch Top Gun. One thing that I would say is I don't know if it's it's something about these older movies. It really jumps through the narrative very fast. Like Tom Cruise has met, what's her name? Kelly. Kelly McGillis. He makes his therapist. He starts a relationship with his therapist. Yeah. Always a good time. (laughs) Yeah. They meet, they have one conversation and then literally it's sort of a bit bachelor-esque, I guess. Next scene, they're like, I'm falling in love with you. (laughs) I was like, hey, 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 I didn't see any single dates here. There were no choppers, a couple of... Fighter pilot, what what do you call those things? What do the fighter pilots fly? What are the planes in Top Gun? (laughs) They're called fighter planes. You have got that correct. It was a great movie. I loved it. Is there a Top Gun (laughs) 2? Yes. Yes, there is. Oh, okay. Cocktails and Roses next season. I will come back. This has been a fantastic podcast season with you. Thank you so much for watching Top Gun and allowing us to relive the joy of seeing that for the first time. And thank you for listening, for being a part of this groundbreaking season of The Bachelor at Australia. We're not going to see you next Thursday. Oh, no. Thanks for listening.